Thank you, Leonard. <clears throat> I'm blessed, blessed to be here this morning <clears throat> and be able to share just a little bit with you again. And I felt like God used, <clears throat> used you while you were up here to kind of set the tone for us this morning, but also the, the songs that we sang together. Um, what was that last song? Do you still remember? You had to pick on the one that gave it. <clears throat> Did anybody else remember what the song was? <clears throat> Jesus said, what are his words? That is that, that that song, I think, is based on, sort of, at least. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and what? Y'all need to loosen up a little bit, <laughs> all right? That helps me loosen up a little bit. <clears throat> I will give you rest. I love those words. Did you know that he didn't just make those up? Did you know that? Did you know that he's quoting? Where else does it say it? I think he's quoting words that God said to Moses when he's leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. They're in the, they're in the desert, and they're struggling. <clears throat> and Moses says, you don't go with us, we're not going anywhere. What does God say? He says, my presence will go with you, and thank you. I think Jesus is quoting what God said to Moses. <clears throat> Part of the reason that that caught my attention, especially this morning, is because I want to talk with you a little bit more about rest. What does it mean? <clears throat> I'm going to take you to the very first chapter in Genesis this morning and look at that with you. <clears throat> um, I don't know. We're, we're so familiar with this with this chapter, or I'm assuming that you are familiar with this chapter. This is this is one of those one of those chapters, one of those places in Scripture that we have we have heard so often that it's really easy to approach it with the mindset that I know what this says, I know what this means, I know why this is here. <clears throat> Let's, let's just read it. Um, I'll read it and you listen as I read through it this morning. 
should probably just quote it together. Do you know, do you know this passage? I'm not going to make you quote it, but do you know this passage? How many of you, how many of you could quote parts of it at least? Can I see your hands? Because I, I am curious. How familiar are, are we with this? It's a very familiar passage. So listen as I read. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. <clears throat> And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly upon the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created whale, great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. <clears throat> and God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so... And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make mankind in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree and the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. 
Thus the heavens and the earth were finished on all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. <clears throat> I went into chapter 2 just a little bit. As you noticed, if you were following along, or if, you've, if you have uh, memorized that passage, because it feels like the, what, what is being told there in that first account doesn't end until um, several verses into chapter 2. <clears throat> so someone tell me, the, the passage that I just read to you, what is the primary focus, purpose, that that was written and given to man, given to us? What's the primary reason that that was given to us? Don't be afraid. I'm not just off the top of your head. So we know where we came from. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. The story of creation. Do we all agree? We don't have to, but is that kind of where we go with this passage? <clears throat> I, I want to show you something this morning that I find very interesting in this, in this passage. One of the things, I'm reading it here in the King James Version, and, and I, don't, I, I, I appreciate the King James Version. Depending on what passage of Scripture you read this in, passage of Scripture, what did I just say? What translation of Scripture you read this in, it is, it is set differently than what it is here in the King James. In the King James, as I look at it, it's just verse after verse after verse. If you read it, um, I believe the NIV has it this way. It is split up more into um, like paragraphs, and instead of uh, focusing so much on the verses, it, it's set together in paragraphs. And if you can actually go back, and I can't, I can't verify this to you because I don't know Hebrew that well. But if you can read it in the Hebrew. Um, this account that I just read you is actually written as a poem. It's not written, uh, as I have generally thought of it, as just, um, what do we call it? Facts, so that we know where we came from. It, 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 it has that sense also. But... Um, let me do it this way. Think with me back to this time in Scripture when this was first given. Okay? Not, not necessarily when it, was, when it was first written down and handed to somebody, but the first people who, are, um, who heard these words, who was it? Ever stop and think about it? Who was the original audience for what? The Jews, okay. We call them also the Israelites. 
Where are they when they hear these words the first time? Okay, and why are they in the desert? Okay, they have just spent how many years in Egypt? A little more than that. 430 years in Egypt. Now, not all that time was as slaves. Um, but there are people who entered Egypt as God's chosen people. They're the, they're the descendants of Abraham. They entered Egypt, and over a period of time, they, become, they end up being slaves in Egypt. They end up being, um, if we would go into, into the end of Genesis and the first part of Exodus, you see how they go from being a people to just being almost something. Um, their purpose is just to do what Pharaoh tells them to do. To just, to just, what, what, what are they known for having done as slaves in Egypt? Okay. What happens if they don't make bricks? Okay. And if you continue to not make bricks, what happens what happens if you don't please Pharaoh? How severely? Okay. I th- I think you can say that their sole purpose is making bricks for Pharaoh. If you don't serve his purpose, it's you know, it's actually kind of ironic if you think about it because I think, um, I don't think I'm mixing up things here. I think initially if you don't do what he wants, it's this. And if you still don't do what he wants, this, which is really counterproductive, don't you think? And then if you still don't do what he wants, we'll just get rid of you because you're worthless. My point is, what is their value in Egypt? What's their value based on? Okay. We would say it's based on their production, right? So here's a people who who have become... Um, who have become people who their their worth is based on what they can produce. God comes to them, he hears their cry, and he comes and he says, I want you to be my people. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to deliver you from your slavery. He takes them out of Egypt miraculously delivers them from their bondage there. He takes them out into the wilderness. What is one of the first things, I I don't know if it's the first thing that you have to do, but how do you help people who have been trained to believe that their value is 
completely bound up in what they can produce. How, how do you help them? Is that all we're here for? <clears throat> so one of the first things that I see God giving to them spoken, I'm not sure, was it spoken through Moses or how they heard that the first time. I'm assuming that that's what it was. It wasn't something that was written down and handed to them to read. It would have been something that they heard. These words, I believe, are given to a group of people who um, when you're in the situation that the Israelites found themselves in before they left Egypt. I don't know, maybe I'm just going back around the same circle again, but I, 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 I want to drive that home. Partly because, does this sound familiar at all? The whole idea of production? Does it ring any bells for us? So let's look at these first, this, this first account that's given to this group of people. We say that Genesis 1 is primarily about creation. And, and it is. It, it has creation in it. That's where we come from. That's... Um, So you have each of these days, and you have things that happen on each of these days, six days. What happens on the sixth day? And, and here's one of the things that we don't see, depending how we, where we read this. Um, the sixth day has an extra piece added in. Each of the other days has, um, it, like I said, it's, it's depending on the translation you read it in, it's set up as a paragraph, and you have similar sized paragraphs that match each other. Are, are you familiar at all, and I'm not going to go into this because we don't have time this morning, are you familiar at all with the idea of, of patterns, um, chiasms? Okay, good. Genesis 1 is a chiasm. And there are actually a couple types of chiasms. And Genesis 1 is actually not just one chiasm. It is actually a double chiasm. Um, so you have these things that mirror each other. And the sixth day, you have something that sticks out. It's a little bit of an odd thing that sticks out in the sixth day. And that's the last part of what happens on day six. What happens, what happens, um, he creates the animals, and then what does he do? Is that? Created. Yes, he creates mankind. What does he say when he, when he creates mankind? He says, let's make them, How? 
in our image and in our likeness. Okay. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? To be made in his image and after his likeness. Okay, to be made like God. And what do we see God doing in Genesis 1? He's creating. So is, is part of being created in his image also having the same... Um, the word I want. I've said it this way, having the same creativity that God has. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. I think it does. And there is a side of we are created. It's not just about how we look. It's also about how we act. It's about what we do. And there, are, there is that side of being made in his image that we have the same desire to create. We're, we're creative beings, and that's a good thing. Now, did you ever stop and think about what would have happened if God would have gotten to day six, and then he would have just kept on creating? What would have happened? Is it important that he got to day seven and he did something different on day seven? Okay. Um, let me try to think of an example here. Any of you ladies like to... I don't know, what do you, what you make? What's something that you make? Say you make a cake. So... I don't know much about making cakes. What do you do? Do you make cakes? Okay, you put ingredients in. It's just kind of whatever's at hand. You use specific things, specific amounts. Okay. Then what? All right. For just an indefinite time or... Okay. All right. Okay. My what what I'm driving at is what happens if you don't if you wouldn't stop creating that cake. What would you have? Okay. <laughs> Do you get my point? Did you ever stop and think about that? There is actually. Um, Part of creating, take, do any of you like to carve or build stuff with your hands? What, how, how do you know, you, you know, you, you take, take somebody who's carving something or a sculptor who's chiseling something, at some point you have to say it's enough, Right? Because at some point, if I continue to take more off, what do I do? Yes. Did you ever think about it that part of creating is knowing when to stop? 
Did you ever think about that? And, and as I look at mankind, as I look at myself, I wonder sometimes if what we struggle with as much as anything is not being creative as much as knowing when to stop. Do you find it that way? What is it that gets us in trouble? You know, there are very few things that we can do that doing a little bit of it is wrong or bad. Am I right? It's the excess. It's not knowing when to quit that gets us in trouble. <clears throat> so God creates for six days. What does he do on day seven? Thank you. He stops. There comes a point when he says, you know what? It's good. And I can sit down and look at it and enjoy it. And it's good. Now, there's something else going on in this passage that I believe reinforces that. And that's that whole thing of the patterns that are woven together and how that passage goes together. Because it all points to the center, which has to do with that idea of rest. And again, as I think of that group of people who heard this for the first time, what is the one big thing that they needed to hear? What did you say? Okay. I feel like they're, one of the big things that they needed to hear as you know, thinking about who they viewed themselves as being, what is their worth? It's wrapped up in how many bricks I can make. I think one of the things that God needed to teach them as he brought them out of Egypt is to say, your value is not in your production. Your worth is not in how much you can do. You are creative people. Your work is, it's not that you just sit back and do nothing. But your worth is not in how much you can do. Your worth is because I made you, and I made you good, and you can stop. You can rest. <clears throat> and I don't know what all is tied up in the fact that 
the six days of creation have a morning and an evening, right? What about day seven? I, I don't even know where to go with that because day seven doesn't have that. And I don't, I don't know what that means. And you know, the, the thing that for me is helpful, I've, I've looked at this different times. And you know, do you know how often I need to be reminded of that? Of, of what I've just shared with you this morning? I'm not here saying you all needed to hear this. I needed to hear it again. And I need to hear it again. And I need to be reminded of it again. And I feel like one of the reasons why God instructs his people to have a day every seven days when you stop and you take a break is because it is so easy for us to get off track and to think that our value is in how much I can get done. Our value is in production. And he says, no, it's not. Your value is because I made you good, because I made you in my image. That's why you're worth something. So I need to keep learning how to rest. And I don't know if that's, yeah, I'll, I'll let you take that and, and wrestle with the words of Jesus then when he says, let me, let me say this, look at the context of where he gives those words. When he says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. You check. But I believe it's in the context of people who are very religious, who are trying to serve God, who are trying to get it right. And he says... Take my way, and you can rest. It's not about how much you can produce or getting everything exactly right. <clears throat> I've rambled long enough. Thank you for, <clears throat> for listening to me. It's, it's been good for me to go over that again because I just I realize again as I talk about it how much I need to be reminded of that how easy it is for me to slip back into that rut of, oh, I need to take care of this. I need to do that. I need to, I need to be reminded to stop. No one to quit. No one to leave it in his hands. <clears throat> Let's pray together.